This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, certified international executive coach, emotional intelligence meta coach, change alchemist, and managing partner of Cedars & Co., Carol Elzan Gabanez. Hey, what you drink? We've done this before, but this time we're going to go, let's just go to Paris. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling like, like France right now, and I can't think of a better person to have as a guest than Carol Elzan Kobanez. She is just absolutely an amazing, amazing consultant. I've worked with her several times. She is very, very deep into leadership. And, you know, when I when I talked to her about all the things that I was doing, because we're kind of connected like that, right? We're partners. And she said, well, Galen, you haven't invited me on the show yet. Uh, you know, what, what's going on? So, Carol, come on into the room. Welcome to the show. Hey, bonsoir. Hello. Hello, the U.S. I'm thrilled to be here, Galen. I'm thrilled and honored. This well, is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> well, fantastic, because you and I, we go back, we've done we've done a couple of things together already, so I just absolutely enjoy not only working with you, but just getting to know you. Uh, so, you know, as you know, I, I, I love to ask a lot of questions. And so I've got more than a few for you. But one of the first ones, come on, guys, say it with me. Come on, say it with me. What you drinking? All right. Okay. All right. Galen, you know, whiskey, um, I'm still total rookie with whiskey. So I don't, I know nothing in whiskey. So I'm going to play safe as a good French mix. Lebanese, whatever person. And I am drinking a fantastic Côte de Provence. This is what we would drink in the summer in France. So I'm drinking a fantastic Côte de Provence. It's just chilled as you like it. And it's absolutely great at this time of the day. Well, you will forever be the first to drink champagne on whiskey, jazz, and leadership. You know, I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. 
That's a good call. Since I knew that I was going to be going back into Europe, uh, I had to reach for something kind of special. And there are actually just a couple of couple of bottles that I picked up the last time I was in London, which we took like a day trip over to Paris, which doesn't count because you can't you can't do Paris in a day. No, Uh, but (laughs) it was just enough to make me aware that I need to come back and do Paris. But one of the things that I picked up is uh, this rare cast reserves. It's a ghosted reserve blended scotch whiskey that is 21 years old. Uh, and so that's what I'm going to step in today. You know, um, I've had this for, I don't know, several years, but I'm reluctant to get into it because don't know the next time I'm going back to London. So let's crack this open now. We're going to. All right. All right. All right. And I am going to remember my afternoon in Paris. As you just get into a little bit of your background and why is it that uh, we have been so connected on so many different projects? Because, you know, we were both kind of in the same training program together. And a lot of us talked about doing things together. A lot of us said, hey, let's partner, let's do things together. But you and I are, are, you know, you're one of the few people that I've actually done things with several times since that training program. So just share a little bit with the audience, uh, your background and how is it that I have been just so excited about having this in every conversation with you? Thank you, Galen. Um, My background, I think it all starts with the fact that we may have the same background. As a matter of fact, we do have a similar background, both of us have started our career in large corporation. And although I'm based in Paris, I was in a large U.S. corporation. Uh, so I think we do have this in common. So I've been, I've been uh, an executive there. And I believe that I just followed what I've been following all my career as a leader and as an executive in, in everything is just listen to what your heart is saying and what your intuition is taking you to. And for me, it was a direct no-brainer to connect with you. I could feel that we had common grounds, same values, same ethics, same ways of, of looking at wherever, at our context and where we're living. I think this is the specifics, I think, of how we connected. I didn't give it too much thought. and. I just followed what I was thinking and what, what I was feeling, not thinking, what I was feeling. It's like, that's it. You got to do something with Gaina. This is pretty much what I coach the leaders and the executives that I work with. Why don't you listen to your heart? It is the first step. Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, uh, he's a famous pilot, one of the first pilots who opened up the line of aeronautics between France and North Africa. And then he came, uh, he was the postal services to the US. And Antoine de Saint-Exupéry says, we only see well with our heart. Oh, I love that. I love that. Give that to us one more time. We only see well with our heart. I have goosebumps. Mm. Straighten that out for people that haven't quite captured what that means yet. What, What do you mean? Well, we do have twofold 
like every human being, obviously. And a lot of our decision, we tend to think that they have to be very rational and driven by our center of command, our prefrontal cortex, and that it needs to have with proofs and everything. The reality is we as human beings, we do feel things. We do have insights. Do we listen to them? Do we follow them? Well, very often we just put the carpet on them and we walk over it. So I made it a mission. Let's take this carpet up a little bit and let's see what's there. And you will see it, a whole total world in front of you. Wow, that is so true. I have said to a number of clients that it is not my job as your coach to tell you what to do because I believe you already know. We always know what it is that we need to do. It's just that the part of the brain that controls knowing is not the same part of the brain that controls language. And so you can know something and just not be able to explain it. And if your inability to explain it becomes your measure of whether or not it's real, you're gonna say, well, then that's not real, right? That must be something I'm imagining. It can't be real because I can't explain it. Well, that's not true at all. It's just that the part of your brain that controls knowing is not the same part of your brain that controls language. It's, it's like trying to explain, why do you love this particular person that you say that you love? Well, I, exactly. I can't explain it. I just, I just, I know that this is the one. And I just love the way you explain that. I, I love the way that you articulated it. And I think you're right. You know, one of the things that uh, I connected with, with you is that both of us approached various projects with this attitude of, okay, so what are we gonna do with this? Let, let's make this happen, right? Are we just talking about this or is this something that we're gonna actually put structure around to make it happen? And I can so relate to that because, you know, this coaching business, this, this life business is about action. It's about, so now what are you gonna do? And I just so appreciate that about you. How have you seen that question come into play in the work that you do, where you're asking your clients, so what are you gonna do about this? Well, it's a very powerful question to start with. And usually it's like, why am I asked this question? It's really helping them connect back with what is the true essence of what they really want. Because what am I going to do about this? In order for me to do something, but first of all, what's my intention? What do I want? What are my needs? How can you do something if you don't know? So the first step in is, well, figure out where you stand and leave space to your emotion. Acknowledging your emotions is gonna open up the space to action. That's what I like to say to my customers and clients is it's not a wrong word to use emotion. It's not an insult. You're going to stay a leader. Everybody is a leader in some form or shape. That is so strong. And, you know, that's a challenge, too, because very often it's scary to think of what's my path. Usually it's much easier to say, OK, so what path did my predecessor take or what path did my mentor take or you know the the latest person in the news that's doing well he seems to be going down this path how do i take that path 
But what I'm hearing you say, and I totally agree with it, is that the first step very often is to find your own path. What do you want? What are you trying to create? Because from there, you know, everything else becomes a little easier, but when you can't answer or you refuse to put in the work into answering that first question, everything else gets really hard. I always say, okay, we can stay on the surface. So you have the standards, the protocols, the processes, everything that you like that is comforting. They are here for a reason and it's all drafted and there. How about let's dive and let's go find where do you belong? And one of the things that I like to take my clients on a journey, my coaches, is to say, okay, well, let's figure out what is your singularity. Every one of us is a unique person. Do you know what is your singularity? So what is your personal why? What makes you tick? And that's the journey. That's at the heart of the work that you and I studied together uh, around emotional intelligence. It's, it's around understanding what is that thing that is ticking inside of you, getting, getting, becoming aware, self-awareness, become aware of who you are and what you do and why you do it. Uh, and then you start moving outside by, you know, how do I show up differently or more effectively or more in alignment with who I am? And then how do I start becoming aware of the people around me and then influencing the people to show up in a certain way? But it starts with understanding who you are and that self-awareness piece. There is a book that I have really gotten into. And the book is entitled, what to say when you talk to yourself. And it's kind of an iconic book. It's been around a while at the core of this self-help positive thinking framework that you and I both love. And I'm trying to think of the, the author of the book. It is authored by Shad Helmstetter, PhD. And it's called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. And I want to run some things by you and get your perspective on this, because this has really got me captivated. The doctor says, the PhD says, he says that we are our attitudes and our attitudes are us. And there's a natural process that goes into making any kind of sustainable change because you and I are in the change business. But what he says is that there are five levels, there are five steps in this natural process. The first step is understanding that behavior impacts results. If you, if you do the right things at the right times, you're gonna get positive results. So that's the first level. The second level is feelings impact our behavior. So our behavior impacts results, but feelings impact our behavior. And he said, but the thing you gotta be aware of is that attitudes, our attitudes or our perspectives is what creates our feelings. And our feelings are a result of our perspectives. That's attitudes. But the attitudes are created by our beliefs. So the beliefs that we've held over time, that's what creates our attitudes. And this is what really concerned me. He said, our beliefs are created by our programming. 
And our programming could be anything from what your adults around you have said when you were a kid, how your your education may have been, the media, that programming that you get, that's what impacts your beliefs. And then your beliefs impacts your attitudes. Your attitudes will create your feelings. Your feelings will impact your behavior. Your behavior impacts your results. And that's what determines our success. And the reason why many of these self-help programs that we buy into don't work sustainably is because they're only focused on our behaviors. And they're not, to your point, they're not going deep enough. So I'm going to pause and just get your reaction to what, what I just shared from what to say when you talk to yourself. What you just shared, I'm totally aligned with this. I mean, and when you listen to it and you think you say, okay, why is he repeating all this? But it's a domino effect. I mean, it's a, I mean, we can call it a vicious circle or a virtuous circle, depending whatever you want to do with it. And this is where you decide your perspective, what, what you want to do about it. Now, what he says is very true is as a toddler, we are really free of any constraint. And we do things. But as we grow, we're growing with all the injunction that we get, the social injunction, the what's coming from the entourage and all these things. And we start building our stories. And our stories could be fueled by fear, by anxious, anxiety, and so on and so forth. So when you take all this and we're all the same in terms of the process, right? We've all built up. I think the first step and this is the uh, the invitation that I put to my coaches is how about you give yourself permission to connect back to the toddler you were and say, okay, I'm starting again. How do I want to look like? What do I want to bring forward? And what do I want to put on the side a little bit? It is just reconnecting with what is truly essential to you, your core values what really matters for you. This is what we tend to forget to do because we are running all over the place and all these things. Taking the time, the most important thing is not taking the time. It's first and foremost, give yourself the permission to do it. Wow, I I love that. You know, I'm curious, why do you think that we've gotten, we've strayed so far away from that toddler that we now have to be, we have to give ourselves permission to think the way we were thinking when we were first created. Why do you think that we've strayed so far away from that toddler? It's a multiple, I mean, there's a multitude of different parameters that gets there. I mean, you do have, first of all, your cultural dimension, depending on the country you live in, there's immediately a weight that comes on you. And then you have your family system, the interrelation, uh, the, the systemic relationship of your family. How is this built up with the colleagues and so on and so forth? And before we even notice it, I mean, even as a teenager, we are already in a process of being formative. Now, if we were to maintain our self-awareness on a constant basis and, and constantly, you know, stepping back naming what we're feeling, taking some distance, we can work out differently on the way of of those injunctions. So the good news, I would say, there's an awareness, a global awareness that is coming through. 
And for the good or the bad, one of the effects of the pandemic has accelerated this awareness. People are in request, in demand of finding their better self and feeling better. If you think about it, we think we're, we're out of the pandemic with the, with the vaccine, we're back into it again. So right now, I, I would say we are living in an era of dilemma. You got to decide what you want to do. You got to make choices. You don't know if these are the good choices and you don't have control on your environment. So what's your dilemma? What's the best choice? You're constantly fighting with that. So think about it. You spend your day fighting with that as a leader, as a regular person. You're fighting every day. What, what is the decision that I need to take? I don't know what's coming up tomorrow. And at the same time, you have all this weight that is there and say, okay, how can I release all this? Mm. And how can I feel myself? Wow. That is really, really powerful. And you, you know, you, you bring up a great point about, you know, both of us work with leaders. And I, I believe that there are two different kinds of leaders. There's there's the there's the traditional leader where you know, you've got people reporting to you or there's a structure or there's many people waiting on you to make some sort of decision so that they can go forth and do whatever it is that they're trying to do. And that's typically what people think of. Uh, it's more of an organizational leadership type of a role. But then there's also, you know, the individual that they may be in an organization, they may be an individual contributor, but they're just trying to get from where they are to where where they need to be. And that requires a degree of leadership in and of itself, even if you're just leading yourself. But in both cases, you've got someone, whether it's other people or whether it's yourself, trying to have confidence in something that really is not guaranteed. So what do you say to people who are trying to move with confidence in this era of uncertainty. We, we've never known, but now we're just sure that we don't know what's, what's gonna happen tomorrow. So how would, you, how would you advise people to approach this space of confident incompetence, <laughs> but still needing to make a decision? You know, the first step I would say is how can I build up confidence or may, being sure of whatever I'm deciding in an environment that is constantly changing and I have no control over? The first step, and this is one of the invitations that I put there, is put it out. I don't know. And that's a certainty. And this is reassuring. All of a sudden, uplifted away. You acknowledge the fact you don't know. So you're not struggling to be the knowing person anymore. From there on, potentially opening up the gate to say, I'm going to try. I may be right. I may be wrong. I'm going to try. If I don't try, I'll never know. Don't go look for the certainty always because you're not going to learn anything and you're not going to grow also. So today in the environment where we are, if you allow me to quote what he says, so it's Rabbi Naaman of Braslav. He says, never ask someone who knows the way, for you may not be making a mistake. Break that down. Break that down for our listeners. Never ask someone who knows the way, for you may not be making a mistake. So it says it all, you know, 
the first thing is allow yourself to say, I don't know. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.